look like? Have you ever thought about that? If you get that vision, the Bible says in Habakkuk, we just said it a moment ago, you write the vision down, you make it plain, so you can run with that vision, and it will come to pass. It will tarry and not wait. So, I'm going to say this to you. Last week, um, I talked to you about that you're going to need faith to get to your next level or your next season. Faith is a trust that is reliant on the relationship that you have with God. I'll say it again. I'm going to keep going with my definition, but hang with me. Faith is a trust that is, a, that is reliant on the relationship that you have with God. Everybody say relationship. And it's knowing that he can't lie and that he will cause it to come through for you. Faith is obedience to God. Everybody say obedience. So now we have relationship and obedience. Faith is obedience to God and his word simply because he's right and his ways are always, always right. So when it comes down to our faith, it's my trust and reliance in him. I've got a relationship with the Lord and I know that all he has for me is good and better than what I ever intended for myself. Somebody say amen. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. God's got good intentions in mind for you. He knows his thoughts are towards you. They're good and not evil, the Bible says. And they will have a future and a hope. So, so, then, so now we know that. We trust that. We have that reliance through that relationship. But then he gives us his word or he speaks to us specific things in our private time with him. And now then we've got to be obedient to what he asks us to do. So my faith is contingent on my trust in my relationship with God. And my faith is contingent or part of or a component of my obedience obedience to the word of God. John, the gospel, John 14, 15, uh, Jesus says this, if you love me, keep, everybody say keep. That means obey my commandments. If you love me, obey my commandments. John 14, 21, he who has, in other words, has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. Do you see how Jesus is drawing this together? That if you're going to have faith to do what I'm asking you to do, it's out of your love for me. So it's all a part of my relationship with God and my obedience to God. He who has my commandments and keeps them or obeys them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. I was just preaching about this on Sundays not that long ago about manifest. How many wants Jesus to show up? Come on. And show out in your life. Come on. There's a, there's a man of God by the name of David E. Taylor and a friend of Vicki Yowie's, and Vicki's invited us to come and be a part of the conference that they're having in, in I don't know, it was July or when, August, and uh, we're going to go. This guy has written a book about, um, what's the exact title of that, baby? Face to Face. And David Taylor talks about face-to-face, and you've heard of this, Carol? Face-to-face encounters with God or with Jesus. And he has seen the Lord many times and goes through it and literally lays it out theologically how you can have encounters with the Lord. In other words, it's not all the time, and of course it's times that he chooses, but there are times even on earth that you can see the face of the Lord. How many would like for the Lord to manifest himself to you? Well, the Bible's real clear to me. 
If that's going to happen, it comes out of my place of relationship with him. Come on. I'm spending time with him. I know he loves me, and I love him. And therefore, because I love him, I obey his commandments. I keep his word. And then he says, I'll manifest myself to him. Uh, Gospel of John chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. Relational. And we will come to him, and we will make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. Whoa, hold on. He who does not love me does not keep my words. One of the ways that we show that we do not love the Lord is when we're not obedient to what he asks us to do. Can I say something to you? How many have been saved more than five minutes? Praise the Lord. How about more than five years? Let me see your hand proudly. Put it up there, all right? Let me talk to you all plainly. In other words, you don't go to the Word of God and cherry pick what you like. Y'all don't want to talk to me tonight? Come on. And then go ahead and do whatever you want to do on this. I don't like this word and I don't like that one. But these two I like because they help me. They, I like that. But these I don't like because that messes with, my, that messes with my, what I really want to do with my life, right? And so we cherry pick. He said, you've got to be obedient to my word if you want me to manifest myself to you and cause you to go to the next place in your life. He said, and my father will love him and we will come to him, make our home with him. He who does not love me does not love my words. And the word which he hear that you hear is not mine but the fathers who sent me in other words it's the lord that spoke in the first place church the truth is if we really have faith then we really will obey what god says it's not that we win every time it's not that we don't make mistakes it's not that we don't fall down because we do but we got to get back up we don't make excuses for ourselves we don't say well god didn't really know lightning bolt came today i guess it's okay we don't live like that we get better someone say i get better I'm no longer a sinner. Why? Because I'm no longer a practitioner of sin. In other words, I do sin, but I don't get up every morning to practice sin like I used to in my old ways. But now that I'm a new man, come on, somebody, I put away old foolish things. Come on. I'm no longer corrupt, but I'm incorruptible. And because of that, I live my life accordingly to what the Word of God has to say. Yes, it can be a battle, but I can win the battle. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. By faith... Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. But because he had a relationship with the Father, come on somebody, and his reliance and trust was on him. And he didn't even understand all that what God was asked, get away from your house, your kindred, get away from your family, and come follow me. And I'll start with you, a brand new, uh, I'll, I'll have a brand new people that will come out of you. He's, where do I go? Where I tell you to go. Well, where's that at? One foot in front of the other. Just go in the direction I tell you to go. He put his trust in God, the relationship he had in God, that at the end, come on somebody, it would come to pass just like God had said, number one. And number two, it wasn't going to bring him harm or evil, but it was going to bring him a way out, him and his family, and a way of good and peace in his, and prosperity in his life. Come on, church. I want us to look at this again in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 1. It says, then we turned and journeyed into the wilderness of the way of the Red Sea, and the Lord spoke to me, and we skirted Mount Seir for many days. And the Lord spoke to me, saying, you have skirted this mountain long enough. And that's what I feel God's saying to this church. You've been going around this mountain too much. I'm done with this mountain. How about you? Someone say amen to that. 
He said, now turn northward. Command the people saying, you're about to pass through the territory of your brethren. In other words, you're about to go to your next season in your life. The descendants of Esau, who live in Seir, and they will be afraid of you. Therefore, watch yourselves carefully. Uh, do not meddle with them, for I will not give you any of their land. No, not so much as one footstep, because I, I've given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. In other words, God was saying, I want you to gain your own victories. I want to make a way for you like I made a way for them. You shall buy food from them with your money, your own money, that you may eat. And you shall also buy water from them with money or your own money that you may drink. In other words, God has to become your source, not Esau, not people with wealth. Quit looking at other people like, could you give me some? Can I borrow $5? Can I, I know you, bought, you got the lottery last week. Can I get $10? Come on. We got to quit looking at people as our source. God's got to become your source and your only source. I'm going to say amen to that. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He knows you're trudging through this great wilderness. In other words, he knows what you're going through. These 40 years the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. Rise. Take your journey and cross over the river in Arnon. Arnon. Look, I have given into your hands Sion, the Amorite king of Heshbon, and his land. Look at me, guys. He said, I have given you the land. I already gave the land to you. Next part, begin to possess it. Now, when God says, I gave you something or give something to you, doesn't mean it's actually in your physical hand yet. Oh, come on, church. He always gives something as a promise or as a seed to begin with, but then he expects you to go in and possess it. He said, now go possess it and engage him in battle. Church, if we're going to possess our next, we're going to have to step into the arena. If we're willing to put, come on, church. If we sit back and wait for God to do what we want done in our lives, we're going to be waiting until we're 95 years old and never see the promise come to pass. It's not about us waiting on God. It's God waiting on us to stand up and get involved in spiritual warfare. Come on. Break every assignment of darkness. Amen. And if you're going to fight, fight to win. You don't fight your brothers and sisters. You don't call strife and division. You're not fighting your boss. You're not fighting your spouse. You're not fight fighting your neighbors. You're not fighting traffic. Come on, somebody. But you are fighting principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. And you have to make them submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And you can. Use the name of Jesus and cause them to submit. Come on. Fight to win. Everybody say fight to win. When they told us, my wife and I, when we were just newly married, and they, we, my wife went in, we wanted to have a baby, and they told us that we were not going to be able to have a baby. If we did, if she, my wife was to get pregnant, that there was high likelihood that we, she would not carry the baby to full, full term, uh, even past the first trimester, because of the situation of her body. And, um, and so we, we, we were just new to trusting God, just new to serving the Lord. But one thing I, I had with him, I didn't have all the revelation of God's word yet. I still don't have all the revelation. I'm still learning. But I certainly don't, I didn't have it 25 years ago. But I'm looking back in time. My, my son's 28 years old. Was he 28, baby? 28 years ago. Well, that was a long time ago. 
and, and my bottom line is, is that here's what I did have. I had a relationship with God. I got up every day of my life before I punched any clock. And I gave my time to Jesus, 5 o'clock in the morning, 5.30 in the morning. And when I got home, the first thing I did before I did anything else was spend time with the Lord. And because I had a relationship with God, I learned to start trusting in him. And then when I began to read his word, I just began to believe it was true. If he said it, he's not a man that he should lie. Come on, oh, the son of man that he should repent. And I remember telling the doctor, we're sitting in that office, I told the doctor, well, I, don't, I know you're doing your best, doctor, but we know, do- I said that, but we know Dr. Jesus, and the Lord's going to help us, and he's going to give us back. And he looked at me like, oh, that's nice, young man, that's nice, young man. I've been doing this for how many years, and you've been, you're just your first kid. Uh, you, you'll understand my way so- sooner or later. And I didn't let that shake my faith. We went back, and every day I pray over her womb, pray over her womb. We pray, and then practice. Come on, somebody. We prayed, and then we practice. Come on. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about? Amen. And praise the Lord. And the day came she got pregnant, and we weren't afraid that she was going to lose the baby. We didn't, wasn't afraid of miscarriage. We just kept believing God, believing God. I laid hands upon her every single day, every morning, every night. I laid hands, this baby's going to go the full term. We're going to be healthy, blah, blah. This one's going to be called of God, and the Lord's going to highly anoint him and bless him. And I'm going to prophesying crazy prophecies. By the way, a lot of them have already come to pass, praise God. And we've been believe, we were believing God. She had that baby. It was our baby, miracle baby. The first thing I did was, oh my God. I had the baby up to the Lord. Come on, somebody. And it was like, it was like, uh, it was like uh, what is that, Lion King. Come on, somebody. And I, was, I gave the baby right in the hospital. I, was, I did. I lifted the baby. This I'm crying like a baby. Praise God. I'm crying harder than the baby is, right? And I blessed this child. Praise God. And we just knew God gave us a miracle. Why, church? Because we had a relationship with God. We put our trust in him. We obeyed and carried out his word like we weren't afraid what anybody else would say about it. And as a result, we fought to win, and God gave us the victory. Remember last week we talked about it. God always causes his people to triumph. No matter what they're going through, you will be on top. You will be the winner, the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. Come on, church. I said this last week, people get into a battle the moment they join the church. I heard people say, man, my life was, I mean, I, I, I was doing pretty good until I joined this church. It's like all hell broke out in my life. Well, we should expect that, praise God. Why, why should we expect that? Not that we want that to happen. We don't want all hell to break out. But sometimes it happens for, to people. Why? Because the Bible talks about the fact in Mark chapter 4, verse 14, the sower sows the word. That's our job. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. The devil fights you because he knows that at Faith Builders, we're going to preach the word of God. And the word, I said we're going to preach the word of God at Faith Builders. Are you glad? Are you glad? Are you glad that we preach the word of God at Faith Builders? I'm going to get somebody to clap no matter what we do today. We're going to get you to clap. I'm manipulating. I'm sorry. And the, the Bible says that, that, that this is what it says. It says that the word will not come back to 
him void. It's like the rain that descends from the cloud and it comes to earth to replenish the earth. It has an assignment and it doesn't go back to the cloud. It fulfills the assignment. He said, so shall my word be that comes forth from my mouth. It will accomplish the thing which I please and prosper in the thing to which I have sent it. Are you ready for God's word to begin to prosper in your life? That's the power of his word. Man, I'm preaching good tonight. Woo. Y'all getting something or what? Just be working hard or what? Mark 4, 16. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, everybody say Afterward. When tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Yes, we get attacked. Yes, the moment we join what God's involved in, the enemy comes. You can't hide from that. I told you last week, you ain't been called to get on the love boat. You on a road, you on a war cruiser. You're heading out into battle. And you're trying to get a suntan on the deck. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and just keep preaching. Y'all look like you want me to quit or something. I will not quit. I'm going to talk the truth, tell you the truth. You got to stand up and fight the devil toe-to-toe in the name of Jesus. The word tribulation here simply means hardship. Think about it. Why is it so hard to get to that next place? the next level, the next breakthrough, the next season of your life. The devil, that's what I'm here to tell you, it's the devil that comes to buffet your soul. It's the devil who comes to try to steal the word. It's the devil that tries to discourage your faith. Either he's stealing the word or he's sowing tares in your field. Like the farmer we preached about not long ago. And the farmer who said, what's going on here? I sowed good seed in the ground, and now I got tares. I got we- I got weeds everywhere with the wheat. And I can't tell the difference between one thing. And the guy said, the enemy has done this while men slept. And that's what happens. And it happens to me the same way. It will happen to anybody the same way. And let me tell you what, while men up, you know why men up? Because they L-A-Z-Y most of the time. Everybody wants to take a vacation. Everybody wants to lay down and quit. The moment you want to lay down and quit, you got to know that's a demonic spirit. I'm telling you right now, so I ain't got no energy. I ain't got no energy. I, got, I can't even lift a remote control to turn it down. Oh, honey, can you get the remote control? Come on. Oh, I'm so tired. And then what happens? A spider drops out of the ceiling onto your chest. Oh, my God. I thought you had no energy. I, th- I, thought you, I thought you were so tired. Now, you may not dance like that, but I don't like spiders. You will see this. I will become a Pentecostal dancer all the way across my house. Praise God. When I see a spider, I'm like, oh, my God. My wife even gave me this meme. It was a meme full. Oh, it was a field full of spiders everywhere. And it said, it said would, you, would you go across the field if you knew there was a million dollars on the other side, but you had to go through the spiders to get to the other side? And I, was, I had to think about that for a second. I mean, that's a million dollars. Maybe we could pay this church off. 
oh, God, I don't know if I could do that or not. Come on, somebody. And I, I told her yes, but I, afterwards I thought about it. I said, I, I probably wouldn't do it. I pro- this, this, why? Because there's spiders over there. Same thing is true for you. You ain't got no energy. I'm just so tired until, guess what? Until you need it, praise God. And you got more energy than you think you got. You need to turn off that television set every now and again and get your praise on or your worship on and get time with God. Come on, somebody. Spend time with God in your life. Everybody smile at me. All right. Does this make sense? Yes, hardship comes. It comes to every single one of us. Why did I say lazy? I'm not trying to pick on anybody. I don't even know what you're, I don't know what, I don't know what you do. Here's what I'm, why I say lazy. Because the Bible says the lazy man walked by the field and he saw that it was all overgrown with weeds and thistles and the stone wall had been broken down and the snakes were inside of the garden and everything. And a little wisdom came, a little fold in the hands, a little, what is that, a little fold in the hands, a little sleep, a little slumber. So shall your enemy come like a, a prowler. You see, church, that's what we got to understand is that when we sleep, when men fall asleep spiritually, women too, all of us, when we do, the broken wall, the hedge of protections that's around our life gets broken down and the snake can come in and bite. And then what happens? Everything gets overgrown and any crop that was in there, any tree that's in there, now produces little to no fruit whatsoever or harvest. Why? Because we've allowed it to be overgrown because we were lazy while men slept. That's when the enemy came in and attacked. Then it says persecution, when persecution arises. Let me just tell you, those two things, hardship and persecution, if you're not careful, will bring discouragement And discouragement will work overtime on your faith. And I can tell you that for a fact in my own life. When I've allowed the devil to break me over the coals, make me feel inferior, make me whatever he does, and I get discouraged, I instantly begin to let go of my faith. Now, I don't want to let it go. I'm intentionally letting it go. But I notice when I get discouraged, I get in the flesh. I get angry. I get frustrated. I get sad or I get mad. I want to take matters into my own hands. I want to take care of this right now, God. And if you won't do it, bless God, I'm going to do it myself, right? And we want to get out of that discouragement. And what happens is our faith begins to wane. We're no longer putting our trust or reliance in our relationship with God. We're no longer, are you all getting this tonight? We're no longer obeying the word because our relationship now gets out of order. And now we're throwing up, come on, we got to be real about this. And now we're throwing up Hail Mary prayers. You know what that is, right? Just like they do in the end zone sometimes, right? They throw the Hail Mary up there to see who will catch it. Anything, oh God, please let something land. Because the clock is running out. And that's not how we should, that's not relationship. That might be some hope there, but that is not relationship. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. There's been no hardship, no persecutions, what that's saying. No temptation that has come on your life that hasn't been coming on somebody else's life. You're not alone in the battle. You're not the only one going through what you're going through. There may be some issues that you're dealing with that's not like somebody else's issues, but it's the same hardship. It's the same persecution. It's the same temptation. But God, say God, but God is faithful. (sighs) Even when I'm not, 
my God is faithful. He will show up. He will show up. I said he will show up. And sometimes we think it's late, but it's never late. It's always right on time. Because he's a right on time God that knows the time prophetically of what your answer should be, when it should be in your life, and he will show up. So, honey, don't worry about it. Don't think about it. Don't complain against it. That's the reason why you keep walking around the mountain. He said, aren't you tired of trudging around the mountain? He said, the reason why you are, because you lost relationship with me, and you started complaining about your problems. And now we're talking about the mountain and not talking to the mountain. Am I right here? Now we're talking about the trouble. Now we're talking about the temptation, about the persecution, about the hardship and the troubles, rather than to them. But God, this God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. I could preach all night on that right there. But I am sick and tired of hearing Christians say, oh, the devil's just, they're not saying devil. God's just been beating me up. I mean, he's really trying to get something through to me. He's been tearing me up, boy. No, God's not tearing you up. Jesus got tore up so you wouldn't have to get tore up. Amen. He's trying to do what? He's trying to offer the way of escape. And by the way, that, they didn't say 50 ways, uh, 50 shades of gray. Come on, so say 50 ways. Y'all should be watching 50 shades of gray, by the way. You want more Jesus in your life? Get 50 shades out of your life. You want to talk to me tonight? I'm going to tell it like it is. You want more Jesus in your life? Quit putting the junk in your soul. Got quiet in the Pentecostal church tonight. It's all right. Not 50 ways. He said he would make the way of escape. You know what that says to me? God's got one thing in mind for Jeff Pruitt. He's got a way where there seems to be no way out of my trouble, out of my problems, out of my suffering, out of my persecution, so that I will not stumble, I will not fall, and even if this God's got to be faithful when I'm not faithful and pick me up and take me on my way. Come on, somebody. He's going to get me to the other side because he's a loving God. And he says, I'll make it so that you'll be able to bear it. I won't take it away from you. You got to go through it. But I'm going to make it so you can bear it. Another translation of that verse says, this, says it this way. You will never face anything, no trouble, that you will not overcome. Is that not powerful? Faith overcomes every negative circumstance. But you've got to get built up in faith. Through what? Number one way is through the preaching of the word of God. That's why I say turn off Fifty Shades. Turn off television, Netflix. Quit binge-watching stuff. I'm not, I'm not saying you don't have to. You can watch what you want to watch. But I'm saying maybe God's saying enough of that. You ever heard the Lord just say enough of that? I've been in the middle of a series and God said enough of that. And I didn't really want him to say enough of that right then. And I liked it, praise God. And it was an I knew. I said, I, I, but I'll stop. 
I don't want to watch. And someone said, did you finish it? No, I never did finish it. I didn't finish it. Oh, it was great. Well, you can tell me about it because I'm going to go back to it anyways. Because when he wants, he gets what he wants. Amen, somebody. So you got to do that. Why? I'm going to be in compliant with what God wants more than what I want for myself. And, and sometimes when I turn that off, the first thing I do is I go to a podcast or I'll go something and I'll turn it on and I'll get God's word in me. Next thing you know, I'm pumped. I'm excited. I'm happy. I'm ready. I'm fired up and ready to go. His word is the, his word is the miracle. His word is the thing that produces the faith response of your spirit man that begins to get so excited that it actually gets your mind to come into agreement with it. Gets your body to come into agreement with it. Why? Because the faith in God's word is that powerful. I remember... I remember years ago and uh, when we were trying to see if the Lord wanted us to start a church. I'll tell you what, I'll go back further than that. I'll go back even further than that. I think I was going to talk about this. I don't think I ever shared this before. But it was very simple, very, very innocent. I wasn't even serving God. This is back in um, 88. And we were newly married, and I wasn't serving the Lord at that time. She was. And I could see she was really excited about God. And, and she wanted to go to church, and I just I didn't want to go, and most times I didn't. And, um, <clears throat> and so uh, I remember God was dealing with my heart. And I don't know why I said it. It had to only be by the Spirit of God. But I just it was a conviction of my soul, and I said it before I even had time to check myself. And I remember we were getting out of the car at our house, and I said, hey, I said, what would you think about being married to a pastor? And she looked at me almost like, uh, you mean I got divorced you or something? <laughs> no, me, being a pastor. She goes, well, I believe that's God. I just believe that's, that's going to happen one day. And, I, I, and you know when you say it, it's like, oh, no, why did I say that? And I'm trying to get around, right? and I didn't want to. But I heard myself say those words to her. It came up out of my spirit. And um, God has a way of getting our attention, even if it comes through us and not through somebody else, but he, he has a way of bringing it to our attention. And what it did was it gave, it gave me something that God was dealing with in my heart. And then later on when we went into full-time ministry with my folks and I got gotten saved and all that stuff, and then he called me to start a church and uh, we went to Madison. We thought that was what God really wanted. and We believed that our heart didn't work out the way we thought. But he was working on my faith. He was working on my relationship and my reliance on him above the things I thought I deserved or the things I thought I was called to have. You see, God wants relationship with us and a dependency upon him more than the things he can offer us. And then, of course, he called us here. And it was all, every single bit of it was completely by faith. And I want to say that the pastor which I, I said this last week, which I believe is a prophet to the congregation, that the pastor is someone who is to, is to proclamate or to speak God's word uh, on his behalf to the people, uh, is the one that speaks a word in season that will build your faith to defeat, defeat the enemies in your life. Here's my word for you. You've been fighting in this battle long enough. 
Tomorrow is not your time for victory. Today is the day of salvation. And your God is delivering you. The fight has already been won 2,000 years ago. Now by faith receive it in the name of Jesus Christ. Lay hold of it and say no more to the devil. And grab a hold of God's very best for your life. Because he's about to blow your minds with what he's going to do in your life. You hang on. Don't quit. My mother... My mother didn't believe in long fights with me in particular. I was the son that gave her the problems in her life. I was the son that had to always push the envelope. I was the son that didn't like to bend to the rules. Matter of fact, to me, rules were meant to be bent. In other words, there's got to be a way around this. There's got to be a way around this, right? And... Um, but my mother, you know, I met my match with her. And, you know, it takes one to know one, praise God. <laughs> and so she was like that as a kid, too. I think I was a little worse, but she was like that. And uh, I was very defiant. And, um, and so she just didn't believe in fighting long wars with me. She believed in we're going to get this over with right here, right now. We don't play games. Look, she never, ever once sent me to my room. Never. And that was before they had uh, your games in there and computers and telephones and everything else. So I was going to my room anyways, Mom. Thanks for letting me go to my room, right? It was before all that. She didn't do that. My mother believed in the belt, praise God, or a shoe or an extension cord or whatever would work across my behind. My mother be on the phone with somebody. On the phone was, oh, oh yeah, uh-huh, yeah, okay. Smiling and talking, and I'd be saying something. I, I'm going to argue with her in the background. She, oh, oh, just one second, and take off her shoe. And with accuracy, <laughs> smack me, and somehow went back in her hand. No, it didn't do that. But, and, and, I mean, she didn't play. At the grocery store, I thought I could act up a little bit. And boy, she'd come behind me and pinch me. She'd grab a hold of your little love handle. Whoa. Grab you a hard. Back in those days, you could beat your kids, and that, and and nobody cared. Everybody's was like in the store, yeah, get him, get him. He's that suckers messing up. Get him, beat him. That's how it was. How many know what I'm talking about? I I can't tell you how many whippings I got in the Kmart parking lot. Praise God. If my mom, she wouldn't do it. In the, she wouldn't do it in the aisle. She did it a couple of times, but you know, she'd be looking around at people, and then she just grabbed my little arm, boy, yanked me, and boy, I knew it. I knew it. she grabbed that arm and yanked me in the middle of the store. I mean, stop shopping, went into the into the parking lot, and boy, tore my butt up in that car. Praise God. So I, I I've learned something. You ain't got to put up with nothing. If it's out of order, you have power and authority to deal with it. And then that thing will go to sleep or go away completely, praise God. Remember when you spanked your kids? <laughs> and then they go to the room, next thing you know, 30 minutes later, you walk in there and they go, mm. you know, is that weird or what? You know what you did? You drove that spirit far from them. You didn't kill them. You weren't trying to abuse them. But you drove the spirit from them. And what happened? What happened? What next? Peace came upon them. See, truthfully, they were being tormented by that thing. And the moment you decided you were not going to get your way around here, you did that. They went to sleep, and it was over with. Everybody loved and hugged each other, and you forgot about the next day. But my point is, 
My point is, is that my mother would always say these words, and I'm going to leave this with you, you, with you today. And you remember this when the enemy's attacking you. She used to say, honey, my yay is yay, and my nay is nay. Nay, nay. Come on, somebody. She was the first nay, nay. <laughs> it's whip. What is it, whip? Watch me whip, watch me nay, nay. You either get the whip or just nay, nay, or one or the other. It's, it's about right. <laughs> Never thought about that. Um, and what she meant was, I told you no, and I mean no. Don't ask me again. When I say yes, you don't have to ask me again twice either, do you? No, mom, I don't. Well, then when I say no, don't ask me again. And you don't go to your dad and then ask him. You don't let your children pitch you against each other. Because kids are manipulative. Come on, let's be honest about it. They are. You know, you, you stand together. Even if you don't agree at that moment, you make decisions together in that. My yay is yay. My nay is nay. In other words, uh, when it comes to the enemy, you tell him, I don't put up with you, not another second. When I tell you no, I mean no. You do not have any authority in this home. You have no authority in my body, none in my finances. You will not attack my children. You will not attack my church. I said no. And that's it. Everybody stand to your feet if you would tonight.